Hey, this is Trevor LeSueur, and you are listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is Trevor LeSueur, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Did I say that right? Wayne Holtz? Okay. You never know who'll show up to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Really happy to be here on your podcast. Thank you. Rock goddess Nina Diaz. You know, first of all, it begins with having the passion. Having the passion for the music. TV host. Author. And a judge on RuPaul's Drag Racing. Don't forget that. Of course, Ross. And celebrity Big Brother contestant, Ross Matthews. When you reached out to me and asked if I'd be on your podcast, it was a no-brainer. I love people who create and contribute, and that is you. It is so nice to talk to you. Cool conversations with people we want to know more about. Hey, guys, this is Chris Booker, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is J.D. Sampson, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is Perez Hilton, and you are listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Listen to the Wayne Holtz Podcast free now on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and at thewayneholtz.com. Hello all, welcome back to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. As some of you know, I am a 90s baby, born in 1990, so this next guest is a true treat. From starring in cult classics and cool commercials of the 90s and aughts, to his current creative work, I was first introduced to our guest in his role as Miles on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, starring Melissa Joan Hart, and was recently reintroduced to him as the puppet master behind the singing puppet duo Swadley and Dean. I welcome actor, singer, all-around artist, and fellow Texan Trevor Lasor. Wait, are you are you from Texas too? I am. I'm from I'm born and raised in San Antonio. Oh, okay. I have been I've been to San Antonio and uh, I actually filmed a um a beer commercial there a long time ago. Wait, is San Antonio where they have the the river walk thing? That is it. Yeah. I stayed in a hotel there and I shot a what was it? It was a it was like a middle it was like some type of commercial and for beer and it was a long time ago. But it was really fun. That's <laughs> all I remember. I love that. I mean, like, commercials is definitely on the list because I know you've done a bunch of them. Um, We're going to be hopping around today, but I want to start where I was reintroduced to you with your, you know, some of your current work. You um, had already had done great work with your uh, current band, Animal Cloud, but you are now working on Swadley and Dean also, and I just... uh, really love the the positivity of it um, like the song wonderful today and and so many more uh, on the newest album what made you hop into that new children's world well um how do i explain that well basically um one of my closest friends um has a kid who uh i would watch with him a lot of uh kid shows like Blippy and um, I'm trying to think like Ryan's Toy Review and all this stuff and they're really successful at what they do um, if you've even heard of that stuff um, and she knew that I was a songwriter and done music a lot and um, her husband has also done a lot of music stuff and he had some good success in the 90s and so she just said hey you guys just do this you guys can do it better. Write some. You you write songs. Make a show. And I was like, No, I am a. I already have a music thing I do, and that's like you know serious and real. And I'm also an actor. I don't have time to do all this. And then I went home that night, and I just came up with this song, uh, Greens. I don't know why. 
I don't even eat that many vegetables, really. Um, maybe you could bleep that out. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> we're now now we're watching you, sir. Yes, <laughs> I, I I I I I had the song Greens, and I was like, hey, that's kind of a good kid song. I would like that. And then and then uh, Swindelli, her husband, he liked it. And it just turned into okay. This is, this is October 2018, by the way. And we're like, okay, let's just kind of see where it goes. And at that time, I had no clue it was going to be puppets. At, at the beginning, I think it was he was thinking it would just be like us as our, ourselves, just singing with acoustic guitars or something. And then I had this idea about puppets, and I went on YouTube and watched all these videos on how to make puppets. And I kind of figured out, bought some materials, and. And I just made the puppets, and I brought them to him. I go, what do you think? This is me, and this is you, and we're the guys, and we creak. And he's like, yes. And then it evolved and evolved. At first, the puppets were pretty much the same in personality. And then we're like, no, um, let's make it that one is more like the teacher and one is more like students. And they're kind of the same age, but Swadley seems to always have the questions, and Dean kind of helps to guide a little bit. So we created personalities and dynamics and songs and I started figuring out how to draw this stuff on Photoshop, all the art and um, and then he was learning um, what do you call it, Final Cut Pro and he starts recording us and does all the, orchestrates the music some songs you write together, some songs you write alone, but he ends up doing music anyways and recording voices and then uh, what else, we made episodes and standalone music videos, now we have karaoke videos. Yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're really, you know, you're doing a great job, sir, at getting the word out there, okay? And I'm, I'm loving the, the weekly live videos also, because it's really great for, you know, when moms or parents or, you know, with their kids, they just need something, something cute and positive to, to put on for, for the kiddos, or just for themselves, because honestly, I'd be jamming out myself. So I want everyone to definitely check out um, Swadley Dean on Instagram, at Swadley and Dean, that's S-W-A-D-D-L-Y. Um, it, it's cool, sir, and, like, you know, I'm hoping, I'm manifesting for you, like, an actual show for this project, okay? It's, it's, it's well, good content. It's good content. It. And there's Thank a lot of um, manifestation that has gone in your life, and we're going to be hopping around, like I said. But let's sure. go. I mean, you've been you've worked with a lot of legends on a lot of cult classics and cool films. Um, of course, we have to talk about the Skater Kid that you filmed in the early '90s. I mean, first of all, the the animation of the of Dom DeLuise as a skateboard alone, I can't. Yeah. Well, um, I can tell you a little bit about that. Um... Uh, so yeah, the skateboard kid. Uh, I came out to Los Angeles two months after I graduated high school, and old. Te this goes into the skateboard kid. An old teacher of mine who taught film and TV in Dallas, Texas, at my high school. He moved out in the middle of my senior year to work with a manager in Los Angeles, and he quit teaching. And he was like, told her, "Hey, you know, I have some kids I work with in LA. They're in the theater program, or back in Dallas in the theater program." And they're um, good actors. Some are going to graduate. And she goes, have them, some of them put themselves on tape doing a monologue, send it out to, to them. This is on a VHS tape. Well, the woman watched my tape and a few others was like, yeah, him and him and her, bring them out. So I came out and I came out on a, I don't know, Monday um, just to visit and check out L.A. and like the, the idea of doing that instead of going to college. And uh, he's like, hey, I'll manage you. And he got me an agent that day. And then on Friday, 
I think it was. They said, hey, you have an audition on Monday for a film called The Skateboard Kid. And I auditioned. And then I found out I had a call back in like a week and a half. And I had to make the decision, am I going to go to college or am I going to... Am I just going to come out here and just start acting? And that's what I did. I went back home, got my stuff, came back out, had my callback, booked it, booked my very first audition, which is completely crazy. But at the same time, it was a it was a good sign that I made the right decision. And so, yeah, this movie, The Skateboard Kid, produced by you know Roger Corman, the king of low budget movies, um, started careers for Jack Nicholson, uh, Martin Scorsese, Ron Howard as a director, not an actor, but um, big history of stuff. Um, Dom DeLuise of the voice of the skateboard. <laughs> and I, I only met him like a year later. I didn't meet him like on the actual movie shoot. Um, and I don't know. What do you want to know? Anything specific, I'll tell you. Oh, no. I was just like loving, you know, I was going through your list of things and, you know, recapping uh, and watching your stuff. And I was just thinking about how like literally, and, you know, you just spoke of, you know, even the, the director of the movie. Um, I was just thinking about how many legendary people that you've worked with, uh, you know, and icons over the situation. It's like you're a great six degree of separation kind of person, you know? Oh, and, yeah, yeah. From I mean, I can, can that movie alone, uh, Skateboard Kid, I got to work with Bess Armstrong, who she was on my so-called life before that. She yes. had a ton of movies, like Quickly Down Under with Tom Selleck. She was in Jaws 3, 3D, with Lou Gossett Jr. and Randy and uh, Dennis, wait, Dennis Quaid. I saw that in theater. Um, and then uh, Timothy Busfield, who I first saw as a kid on a show called Trapper John M.D. Um, with, I forget the guy's name, some, some, something Parcel, who played one of the guys on Bonanza. I love that show. And so, I'm, yeah, these six degrees away from all these people. And then also, of course, he was one of the nerds. He was Poindexter in Revenge of the Nerds which I love that movie. And uh, I talked to him about all this stuff when we were working together. And then, um, and then Cliff the Young. Cliff the Young's a character actor. He was in The Hunger. Did you see The Hunger? It's a vampire movie starring Susan Sarandon and David Bowie and Cliff the Young and like one other person. Did you ever see that movie? I have not seen it, no. Are you a Bowie fan? I, of course. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge, he's my favorite. I'm a huge, huge, huge Bowie fan. I've seen him in concert twice. Saw him get his star on Hollywood Boulevard. Huge fan, right? The Hunger is a interesting vampire film and if you haven't seen it you should see it and cliff was uh was in the skateboard kid and he was in that well i i love that connection and first of all okay the hunger everybody love that you were there for when bowie got his star that's iconic wait tell us about that day please uh well it was on hollywood boulevard and um it was by where, where we used to be known as the galaxy movie theater which i don't know what it's become since uh, and it was just, you know, like, these two stairs. Have you been to the Galaxy Movie Theater? Wait, where are you located? I have. Well, I'm currently in Texas, but I just relocated from L.A., so I'm familiar. So, there, so there's, like, there was a parking lot, and then you can walk up these stairs to get to the main area of where the Hollywood Galaxy used to be. I'm just, like, trying to get a piece of, you know, get some, get a, a good bird's eye view or something, and I see him walk up the steps with Iman, and this is the time in his life when he had short, spiky, dyed red hair or orange hair and a goatee. And he was wearing like some like something that looks like at a labyrinth, like a long, like a dressy, weird, goldish black jacket with ruffles and a long tail. Like he was very like, I don't know, um, Elizabethan or something like that. And he just went up and got his star, thanked people. I think I took a picture on an old camera. 
Um, but the coolest thing I ever did was when I saw him in concert. I mean, I saw him in concert at the what was called the, um, the it was the, the Universal Amphitheater, which became the Gibson Amphitheater. And uh, then I saw him at the Wiltern, which is a smaller theater. And right when I got there, you could be anywhere you want. I rushed right to the edge of the stage. There was one guy in front of me. At first, I had to watch Macy Gray play for like two hours. Okay, uh, that's a good intro. And, yeah, and and um, but you had to keep your place if you wanted to keep your place. So uh, I, I watched her whole concert, and then I just kept staying there until Bowie finally came out. So for like another two and a half hours, he was like three feet in front of me, and it was that that was the coolest. And going from uh, one vampire to another, okay. Uh, I love that you were also in uh, American Vampire, which um, star or co-starred uh, co the one of the original Bats, uh, Adam West, which is pretty cool. What was it like to be a, a part of a project with him, and how was that um, that movie? I mean, it's a very, it's a very, uh, what's it's an eclectic film. Um, it has a really good feel to it. Uh, I loved the. It was it, the heart of the '90s is really into it, uh, in it, and I actually like really enjoyed that watching it back. Well, it um, I auditioned for that movie like five times. The producers didn't want me at all. Only the director did. They said they said they wanted like a like a California like stud like surfer guy, and um, instead of like you know quirky me guy. You're pretty studly though, Trevor. Well, I appreciate that. What, what they were talking about is like a Paul Walker guy. That's what they wanted. Before that was way before Paul Walker was a huge star. But that's the kind of guy they they envisioned. Uh, they didn't envision the guy who played Miles and Sabrina. And I hadn't even played that character yet. But you know what I mean? The quirky guy. Of course. Um, but my point is, I got it. I did it. Um, and I didn't know who Carmen Electra was at the time. Everyone else around me did. So I talked to her a little about about Prince, which was pretty cool. Because I love Prince. Uh, we only talked a little bit about it. Looking back, I wish I would have asked her more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, being being the ingenue that she was to, you know, the whole situation. That's that's crazy. Another, you know, you're two degrees away from Prince, bro. That's amazing. No, no, that's one, that's I think that's it's one degree away. One degree away. Thank you. Thank you for helping my math. Yeah, yeah, one degree away. Um, <laughs> The Adam West thing. So we're in we're we're in between scenes, okay? And he pays me what I feel is the best compliment he could ever pay me personally. It might be different for someone else. And I didn't. It just came out of nowhere because we were not talking about Batman at all. And the, he was called cut. And he looked over at me and he goes, "I'm Trevor. You have made a perfect Robin." And uh, I just was like, "Wow." Like, what made you even think of that, you know? That's, like, such a long time ago, but he still has Batman, had Batman on the brain. No higher compliment could be paid. But but it's interesting that he, I mean, it, in many, many, many years had passed since he did that, but I, I'm, I guess because he's most famous for that, he probably has to talk about it so much. And he, I'm sure he does a lot of things with Batman still, so that's why it's probably still on his brain. But it was it was pretty awesome that he said that. Definitely, yeah. I mean, he he will always be, you know, uh, a king of that that universe, and I'm sure he's always have having casting ideas and and things running through his head, you know. 
Yeah. I, I think they should have put him in one of the Batman movies, personally, as like an homage to him, you know? Why not? Like, uh, just a small part, anything, but... Just a, just a nod. No, we're taking Batman too seriously these days. So, I, well, until Ben Affleck. So I understand. Um, and okay, so I mean, from Carmen Electra to Adam West, and I mean that that was a great movie. I love American Vampire. And oh, oh, wait, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, I have to mention Sid- Sidney Lassing. Please. And you know who Sidney Lassing is? Remind me. Sidney Lassing played the vampire's uh, assistant, the okay. guy with the stringy. Baldy hair who played piano. Like, oh no, no, hello! That was like very strange, Igor-looking guy. Hilarious. He was he, hilarious. He was, in, he was one of the leads in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is you know amazing, Oscar-winning film. You know, Jack Nicholson won the Oscar. He was one of the patients in the film. But he, he had a big part. Yes. So history. That was pretty cool to work with him on that. Yeah. So yeah, just had to mention that. Uh, no, I love that. And please feel free to mention mention it all as. Um, Bethany Frankel likes to say and so you know during that era too you were doing a lot of you know you mentioned the uh, Miller Lite I believe commercial that you did here in San Antonio on the Riverwalk like what was your commercial life back then and what was some of the the funniest or wildest things you got into well commercials uh, I that's one of the first things I started doing the first thing was the movie skateboard kid and then I just started doing a ton of commercials I think I've done around 60 different commercials in my 30 year career so far amazing and I don't even remember them all uh, but I know I've done a lot and um, gosh a lot of them I mean I've done Hallmark commercials I've done Coke commercials I did a Coke commercial with uh, actress uh, Allie Larder I don't know if you know who she is of course so we were, we did a Coke commercial that never aired anywhere. And uh, it was us in the back of a, of a car, or sitting in a car part. And I'm, go, and I'm very much like Miles. I'm talking about the, the, the universe and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and at the end, she's like, hey, you want to make out? And I'm like, yeah. And then and the commercial ends. And it's like the, the, the back of the car window steams up. And then you can see the Coke symbol in it. I think this commercial is called uh, Steeny. <laughs> and the guy that directed it directed a film called Clay Pigeons with Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix. And then he also directed uh, O, which is like a modern day version of a film. Oh my God, yes. Um, oh. And uh, so that was cool. But Allie was, what was she doing? She had a callback for Varsity Blues. And she's like, hey, if you're in you know, you're from Texas, what's it like? She's asking me some questions. And she had a callback. And then she found out while we were filming the commercial that she got the part. And then she did the movie, and then she, her career just took off. So you're telling me... the co-commercial me... we did never came out. Oh, God. She was like, cut the commercial. No, but... Uh, I'm just kidding. No, but are you telling me that Allie Larder got her character research to play um, a Texan from you, Trevor Lasore? Well... I know I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say she, she she asked me what was Texas like and stuff like that, and she did ask me if she got the part, if she could like ask me this and that and questions, and I said yes, but that never that never happened. Um, and um, I'm just going to pretend it did, okay? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I, think I did call her to congratulate her, ask her how it went, but then we never spoke again. Uh, she's busy, whatever. 
She was busy. I was just a guy she did a commercial with. That was it. Just a commercial. Um, well, from all the commercials and then around that era, I mean, you even though it was one season, you were a part of, I, I mean, anything that's a part of a Saturday morning lineup, I'm here for. And you were part of Running in the Halls, which um, ran for one season on NBC, a Saturday morning lineup. Like, what was it like to be a part of that, like, acting kids, you know, every morning kind of world? It would, part of the Saved by the Bell, you know, time slot. It, it it basically they had the new Save of the Bell came out the same year as Running the Halls, and uh, and I think both got canceled after a year. I think I know we did. Um, it was pretty cool. I mean, I had a few auditions for that, and then um, it it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was really fun. It was like it was my first series regular role on a TV show, and um, I just learned a lot about things. Uh, what to do, what not to do. I just, I don't know. I just, I just learned a lot. And what else can I say about that? Uh, they had this cool uh, game show that it was like Saturday morning. It was hosted by Mark Paul Gossler and a couple other people. Ooh. I think he was the MC. It was called Brains and Bronze. I remember a limousine picked me up from where I was living at the time in the valley, and it drove me and the other our other cast members to this place in the Universal lot, and it was. Our show against, uh, wait, it was against, uh, yeah, the new Save by the Bell. And uh, I think we won. doesn't really matter. I don't know who won, but but it was all these little activities. That was fun. That, that was, like, the closest to, like, growing up in the 80s and watching those, like, Battle of the Network Stars <laughs> type thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was only on for a season. They, they kept changing the time slots. So we never really got to capture a, a, a consistent audience because of that, and it just uh, got canceled, and that was it. Sir, screw the time slot, okay? I love, like, any slot and any experience, you know? And you've got a lot of experiences from, especially I want to talk about, of course, Sabrina Teenage Witch, some pilots that you went through, your music, and more. We're here with Trevor Lesore on the Wayne Holtz podcast. Let's take a little dive into his current project, Swadley and Dean, with some of their music. Let's check it out, kids. Is it recording my voice? I'd like to go around the world to places old and new And all the creatures that I'd meet I'd ask them what they do Yes, welcome back to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. That was wonderful today from Swadley and Dean. Make sure you're listening to all of their music on Spotify and iTunes. And, of course, we are here with Trevor Lesore, who's behind the puppets. Um, 
we were just talking about some of your um, work um, in the early 90s, blah, blah, blah. And I, I hear, heard you talk about um, some of the, the pilots that you were doing. Was, was there any, you know, weird pilots or anything memorable that you know, never got picked up or you were just like, what the heck am I a part of right now? Uh, yeah, I uh, I did a pilot called Cass, short for Cassandra, um, for CBS. Shot at Universal, never got picked up, but I got to do it with Kathy Baker. Now, Kathy Baker, she's done a ton of movies. One of them is uh, Edward Scissorhand. She played the the neighbor with the big red hair, who uh, was always flirting with Johnny Depp. Of course. Uh, she's also on Picket Fences and a ton of other stuff. Uh, and she played my mom. And then Ted Wass, who played the father on Blossom, and he was also on the old show from the 80s called Soap. Uh, mm, he played my dad. And yes. then uh, George Weiner, who is just on a ton of movies. I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is Spaceballs. He played like the lead general that was always speaking to Rick Moranis, who was Darth Maul. And he was like, yes, sir. Yes, your helmet miss. Yes. We, that's, that's one of his many, many, many roles. He was also in Fletch with Chevy Chase in the 80s. Uh, he played his attorney. Um, I think it was his attorney. Whatever, he's done a ton of work. And then uh, Dinah Manhoff, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, she played, oh, she was in Greece. Huge part in Greece. She played, she played the one with all the boyfriends, the one who was like... Oh, Lord. All the Greece kids are going to get so mad at me, but I do not know. But I'm sure it's, you know, iconic. Well, there's Livy Newton-John, there's Rizzo, there's Frenchie. Right, right. And it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the other one. And it's Sandy, it's that one, it's that one. I, and she's the one who's always, like, when they had the school dance, she was, like, kind of, like, flirting with, like, the host of the show. Right. Who's clearly older than her. And she's, yeah, God, I don't know, remember her name. But her. Uh, so her and George played husband and wife. And, um... And yeah, we did that pilot in front of a live audience, which I had not done as a big part before. Because the other sh- all the shows I've done have not been in front of a live audience, where I had like the series regular rules, uh, even though there was a laugh track. Um, <laughs> oh, and the guy who produced it, um, he was a writer of of, uh, of Newhart. He was a writer or the creator? I think he was. He created the show Coach. Which I used to watch all the time. Oh my time. god, that's like, a throwback. He did Coach? something. Yeah, he did something with Newhart, and he also produced uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion with Lisa Kudrow uh, and um, uh, Mira Slavina. He did a lot of stuff, and I think he might have even been a writer on Taxi. The thing is, he saw something in me when I was really young, and he hired me. I wish it got picked up. It didn't get picked up, um, but I got to work on the Universe a lot. And there's a scene in the beginning where it's raining and it's fake rain, and I'm going away to college. And uh, uh, we're shooting right by the, uh, the, the, the town square where they shot Back to the Future, where there's the clock tower and all that stuff. Mm. So I would just walk over there and like, just look around when we weren't shooting. Um, that was pretty cool. And then I got to go into the Universal Studios lot for free with some of the cast, some of the younger cast. Uh, and uh, we went on the Jurassic Park ride. Those are some fun memories. Yeah, those are great memories. Um, and I have to say, Trevor, um, I really, you know, commend you. You have a great knowledge of just like, you know, the film and television world and history. I uh, listened to yeah. a few of your interviews and just obviously right now I'm just like, okay, come on with all the knowledge. Oh, I've, I've got a ton, man. I've, I mean, I've I've just watched so many movies and, and TV shows growing up and even now as an adult. I, I, just, I just know a lot because, you know, I'm interested in it. I think if you're interested in it, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna pick up a lot of knowledge uh, willingly, 
um, and you're going to seek it out. You know, if I'm watching a movie, I'm like, who is that actor or actress? And I look them up. Or I go, oh, I forgot about them. What are they up to now? I don't, I don't, I'm just interested in that kind of stuff. And um, But I also did a pilot where I played an Australian, and I forgot what it was called, but I played an Australian. Um, Wait, let's, then, hear, um, let's hear the accent. Well, here's the thing, though. When I did it, they thought that I was really from Australia, uh, but I had spent a lot of time in uh, England. So what does that mean? That means I didn't have a perfect accent, but for most people, they believe it. I guess it'd be like this, like, um, what did I do a long time ago? But the funny thing is the, the one word I had a problem saying out of every word was the word Australia. <laughs> And they're like, no, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Because the lead guy was actually from Australia. So he gave me other words to say, like Aussie. So I um, I was like this. Like, I might start off big and go smaller. Um, hello there. I'm basically from uh, Australia and um, talking like this. And I'm um, trying not to sound too big because you get too big um, then it sounds like somebody from the outback. So um, you got to kind of tone it down, talk a little bit slower. So it's basically like this. Wow, that that was an honor. I love it. That's one. Um, Australia is one of my like destination zones, and that accent is so hard sometimes. Girl, they just have such a, a draw. So good job. Um, and I've done, I've done a lot of voiceover jobs actually, also with an Australian accent, and a lot of British, a ton of British, a ton of British voiceovers, and I've actually gotten jobs over other actors who were actually British actors. I don't, I, but it's not because I, I don't think it's because of my accent. I think it's because. I might understand how they want the script phrased and what word to hit more than another word. And maybe they'll hire me because of that, not because my accent is better. They probably think, oh, it sounds, he sounds British enough and uh, he, I like the way he's saying the, the lines. And also you have like a, you know, you have a very uh, good way of like, you, you know, you're dedicated to a role, you know, and you've got a lot of energy in you, sir. So I'm sure, uh, especially with voiceovers, um, I feel like that really translate well. And one character where you definitely had a lot of energy was, of course, Miles on Sabrina Teenage Witch. Um, and we're talking about the original, y'all, well, not the real original, because, you know, Archie um, comics, but uh, the... The one that started in the 90s, starring Melissa Joan Hart. And, I mean, how was it coming into a show that was already established um, that, I mean, for me, like, Sabrina was the, like, as far as a child, like, being a child goes and, like, having an imagination, I was like, this bitch is lit. Like, what is going on in that household or wherever wherever it was? And it was just a, it was a, it was a beautiful, heartfelt, but, like, fun and you know lighthearted show um what was it like jumping into that well i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell you the whole how it came to me um i my manager at the time who's still my manager now uh this guy carrie jones he um what did he do he called me up one day and he goes hey there's a role for you that you write for on this show sabrina teenage witch it's called miles goodman you're perfect for it and I want you to call up your agent, and I'm going to call up your agent to make sure they get you out on it. Because the way it works is you're... Well, I mean, a manager can get you an audition, but it's better when you're... I guess they want your agent to do it. It doesn't matter. He just, this is how he wanted me to do it, probably because my agent was that I had at the time was uh, more established. Um, so it was better coming from them. So I called my agent, and he called my agent, and I said, ah, whatever. I forgot about it. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to... That's not a show I'll be on. I don't think I'll be on that show. 
And then a few weeks later, I got an audition. And I got the, the, my sides, which is like a little bit of pages from the script. And uh, I read it, and I said, it's not right for this. They said they, they wanted to be a guy that's smart, but he's also on the soccer team. And I'm like, no, they want, it means they want some jock or something, you know? Like, I, I, I'm not going to get this. And I read it, and I go, my scene was, my audition scene was the, the only scene I had in the first episode I was in where I'm coming in with a box of cables and stuff. And she says, um, hey, who are you? And I go, I'm Miles. I live in the bedroom across the hall. Never go in there, uh, whatever that is. You, you, you work for the cable company? I go, I'm observing life on the whatever quadrant, whatever I said. And, uh, and I go, I don't think this is funny. This is not making me laugh. And this is a comedy. I don't get, I, it's not, I don't, it's not like, I don't think it's funny. And I go, I don't know how to make it funny. And I was going over the lines with my friend, uh, Eamon at the time. And I was getting frustrated, really frustrated. I'm like, this, like, this is going to suck. And I was like all amped up. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Read the scene right now. And I, and I, I just came to me and I'm like, read, I'm going to read the scene with this amped up energy. And I read it and I was like, now it's interesting. Now it could be funny. I get it now. So I just use my innermost, you know, neurotic side. Because uh, I, I know I play neurotic, but I can also be pretty, pretty chill a lot of times too. And pretty like, you know, go in, in inner or go inside. I have a lot of energy, but I'm not always neurotic like the Miles character was. Well, you seem you seem um, decently grounded. Yeah. Well, that's who I hope to uh, appear as. But but as Miles, I was more uh, an overthinker. Uh, you know, I just used that part. I was like, I get it. I get the character. And I went to the audition, and they were really. I'm gonna say desperate they were they were starting to shoot in like a week and and they had been looking for somebody for a few months now and at first they wanted someone that was just a smart guy but they said they didn't find anybody that they liked then they go let's make him a jock too so it was like a combo he's smart but he's kind of also maybe looks cool i don't freaking know and i'm not tooting my own horn i'm just saying that's what they were going after so at the very end of the process they finally uh, uh, said, let's see that guy, you know? And uh, so when I went in, it was the casting director, Rick Mulligan. Uh, wait, Rick Milliken, not Mulligan. I'm sorry, Rick Milliken. And it was um, Melissa Joan Hart's mom, uh, who is one of the producers, and then uh, another producer, uh, and uh, Brett, Brett, Brett Ferber. Oh my god, why are these names escaping me? Uh, oh my god, it's, it's so many names and so many years ago, you know. But well, I have to see. I have to see real quick because because he's a great guy. Yes, of and course. I don't want to, uh, Bruce Bruce Ferber. Oh my god, Bruce, you're probably not going to listen to this, but if you do, I'm oh, going to make sure Bruce listens to this. Sir. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, but yeah, he was a great guy, and and and, and so was uh, uh, Melissa's mom, and and I met them in the audition. So basically, normally you just meet the casting director first. Because uh, then, then if you get a call back, you meet the producers. But they were in a hurry, as far as I know, at the time. Um, so I got to go straight to, like, a callback, basically. And there were a few other guys in the waiting room, and I was very nervous. I get nervous before auditions, even if 
I don't think it's a big deal. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You don't book it, life goes on. But you still get nervous. You still get the butterflies because you want to do well, you know? Um, and I went to the bathroom to uh, just have a little alone time. And I heard something, and I put my ear to the wall, and I could hear the audition room. And I, I was like, oh my God, this is the freaking audition room. I can hear their audition, what they're doing. So I listened to everybody's audition as much as I could. And I was listening, and I was listening, and I was like, yeah, you know what? They're not doing what I'm doing. And uh, so I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I can book this. Like I started thinking positive about it, just based on hearing what they were doing. Because I was thinking nobody's hitting the beats I'm hitting. Nobody's doing what I'm doing. And I'm not saying they're going to like what I'm doing. I just felt that what I was doing was more, would serve the character better. That's all. So when I went in, I did it, and they wanted me to do it a different way. And that's always a great sign. Like, we like him. See if he can do it this way. And I did it. And I did it again. And they go, thanks a lot, Trevor. And I left the room. And then the cash worker called me back. And, hey, hey, wait, they want to see you do something else. And I'm like, yes, they like me. They like me. And I did it another way. And then I left. Next day, I found out, hey, you're going to go test at Paramount. Um, you either for the studio or the network. It was one of those two. So me and, oh, and we had, they had to negotiate a contract. And I had to sign it. Uh, no, I didn't sign it there. So six of us went into the call back at Paramount Studios. And this time, it was still Melissa's mom, uh, Paula, Paula Hart, and, um, and uh, a writer, and Rick Milliken again, and then Melissa was there. I had never met Melissa, but interesting story. A year earlier, a friend of mine was invited to, hey, I'm going to a birthday party. This girl, Melissa Joan Hart, I'm like, who's that? She starved Sabrina Teenage Witch. You go, oh yeah, I've heard of it, I've never seen it. So I went to her birthday party a year earlier at a roller skating rink. I think maybe I met her, I don't even remember. And then it's just weird that a year later I ended up working with her. That's kind of strange. Um, Whenever you uh, met Melissa, like, I'm sure she was nice, but did she have, like, kind of like a cool boss energy for, you know, such a young actor um, since she, it was, like, her show? Or, like, do you know what I mean? Like, did she have just, like, a, a good confidence about her? Uh good confidence all I remember is that she was very nice very easy to work with she was very professional uh, and that's really it you know she was nice she was, she was just I mean she's very nice very easy to work with very easy to do scenes with it was nothing that's nothing I love that I mean so so I guess yes that'd be yes but but she was also you know in her in her 20s and you know she was having fun and you know interested in having fun with her friends and she was dating one of my friends at the time um, which was another weird coincidence um, good coincidence uh, so yeah I mean that's my answer I guess um, if that answered your question um, but no, I went to, to Paramount and, and then uh, there were six of us and I went in and I auditioned for all of them and then I left the room and then the cast director said Trevor they want to see you one more time but they want you to smile smile more I'm like, okay, because I was so nervous. I wanted to vomit. So I, I went in with a big smile, but I was faking it. <laughs> and I did the whole scene kind of smiling and chipper. And then the cashier came out and said, three of you are going to go to Warner Brothers to do the final audition. And mine was the second name that was called. I drove over there. I was crazy nervous, crazy excited. We had to sign our contracts. I went into the bathroom. I dry heaved a little bit, you know, because I was freaking nervous. I was flat broke. I had $900 to my name, okay? I knew if I got this, it would change my life at the time. So 
like I was going to have to move out of my apartment like in like I don't know a few weeks or something if I didn't have like something come up and then I went and I auditioned with like 25 network executives and I just did the scene perfect left caster came out that you guys can go now and he said Trevor come here I got to tell you something I go, yeah and he goes you booked it and I gave him a hug and it was like you know the next two years was pretty wacky pretty awesome you know and you speak of the um, executives you know you were on the show um, after Sabrina went from being on ABC's TGIF to the WB like what do you remember from being part of like the WB family and any run-ins with people from um, any of the other shows yeah, there were some times. I think I um, I went to some events, and I I remember like the cast of Seventh Heaven was there a lot. Uh, I remember seeing the girl from it. I forget her name. She's really pretty. I forget her name. She married Justin Timberlake. Why do I? I don't remember her name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jessica um, Biel. Okay, Jessica Biel. I saw her playing ping ping pong with somebody, and I was like, she's really pretty, but I'm too afraid to talk to her, <laughs> even though I was in the show as well. I, I just knew who she was, and then I think. Um, uh, who else did I see? Uh, I saw a lot of people, but I don't remember them all. Yeah, I just like, I didn't, not even people, I just like wonder, like, because, you know, the WB is was such like, that was such a fun era for the WB between their, you know, their dramedies and their sitcoms like Sabrina. And so it was just like a really cool era to be part of that network, you know? Yeah, it, it was cool. Um, we shot at Paramount. Um, and I know when I wasn't working, I used to, when I was on a break or something, or I didn't have another scene for a couple hours, I would walk around Paramount every day that I was working. And I would peek my head into the big sound stages and see what was going on. Uh, I saw Al Pacino. He waved to me and my dad, which was pretty cool. He was filming the movie Simone. Uh, and uh, I just saw a lot of cool stuff. The sound stage that I worked on, like, it, it, um, it had the people that the, the like Top Gun filmed on there and just many, many, many others going back to the fifties. Uh, just amazing films worked in the same soundstage as the green teenage, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and, uh, everybody is nice. Every, all the actors are really nice. Uh, I got really close to David Lasher, uh, because there was a big trailer and there was like a, a wall in between mine and his. So we kind of, we shared the same trailer, but there was a wall dividing us. So we got along really well. We always saw each other at the time. And uh, Nate Richard, who I still am in contact with, who played Harvey, um, we uh, would always have a good time when he was uh, when we were filming because he wasn't in every episode with me. Uh, when he was, though, it was always awesome. And then, uh, you know, Beth Brodick was great. Carolyn Ray was great. Soleil was great. Elisa was great. Uh, I never got to meet Nick Bakai to the voice of the cat. That was done. You later. never met him. Salem. I never met him. Wow. But I didn't have. I also didn't have a lot of. I had some. Right, him, right. He wasn't allowed not, to talk like the, to you and stuff. That I saw the cat and the people that control the animated cat. So I talked to them a lot. The puppeteers. They were really great. Oh. And how involved? Like, how many people does it take to like man the cat? Uh. No, okay. There's um. When I had seen it done before, so let's say they were on the kitchen counter and the cat was in the kitchen counter. So underneath the counter would be two people. Somebody, I can't remember, I think somebody's hand might have been in the cat, right? And then somebody else was working the tail, and I think somebody else was doing the animatronics of the mouth and the face. And there was a little small TV monitor underneath 
the counter so they could all look at it and see the angle so they know how the how the um, cat was appearing on camera. And then somebody was reading off camera the lines that Nick Bakai would later do in post-production. Right. And so I guess he was, you know, never around. So elusive. I love that. He has a great voice. And I mean, um, was that was another, that was a role he was meant to play. I, I love that. Um, how was the reunion when you all got back together? Um, that was cool, man. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's trippy, you know? I don't know. It's like, um, it was, it was fun. It was nostalgic, you know? It was, um, it's, it's a little wacky, you know, how most reunions are. I mean, it was good to see everybody. Uh, at the same time, it brings up some, uh, it brings up that feeling like, oh, you know, I really long to be uh, back in another show uh, at this age, at the age that I'm at now, because, um, funny man, I was 27 when I got that part. I was playing a college guy in college, and now I am 47, you know, 20 years later. And, of course, my mindset, my perspective on life has, you know, changed a lot. And hopefully it will for most people, the older they get, in a good way. Uh, I think mine is, has changed in a good way. Uh, so it would be nice to have that uh, opportunity again to to be on a show uh, that lasts as long, you know, at least two years, at least. Uh, because, I don't know, my appreciation, I appreciated it when I was on it. I used to... Um, my downtime also and sometimes in lunchtime I would walk around the set and I would think there's probably a ton of kids out there that would love to be on this set right now like it'd be like a dream come true so I like really took it all in I sometimes would go take naps in, in Miles's room like in the, like on my lunch break or just 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 kind of just I don't know just kind of absorb it I was trying to appreciate it as much as I could you know mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was it was good, but it brought up the, uh, the the feeling like, gosh, I'd really like to get back out there on another show. That would be uh, it would just be amazing to experience that again um, in these current years. Well, um, we all know that feeling, and um, I will say the future is nicer. You are a hardworking guy, and so I am. You know, like I said, just manifesting lots of productive fruitful things for you in the future and i'm sure something something great is coming and um i have faith in you and speaking of manifesting i mean um you did do a little manifesting to work your way into la la land okay after i knew you were gonna say that of course listen i love a transition it's (laughs) a funny story i got a funny story about that tell it all sir um okay so funny story is uh, I got this audition and it was just a couple lines and my agent said it's only a couple lines you don't have to go out for it if you don't want to uh, I've, I've never turned down turned them I never turned down an audition from them ever you know because I never know where the opportunity might lead um, uh, I think after Sabrina though uh, I had a good amount of money in the bank and my agency at the time uh, wanted to send me out on similar things. And I was like, I want to be a serious actor. I want to do like, you know, like dramas and blah, blah, blah. So I did turn down three to five auditions, but only with my agent's permission because I was trying to go in another direction. Um, 
And then as I got uh, older and work dried up, because it happens sometimes uh, for whatever reason, uh, and then things kind of got going back a little bit, things changed. I had this new appreciation for auditions in general. And I was like, you know, if I had gone out in one of those auditions that was similar sitcom to a Sabrina, uh, and I had booked it, what was the worst thing that was going to happen? I would have been on a show again, and I would have made some more money. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a bad scenario to me. So we're not going to be picky anymore about auditions. Hmm. And that's a lesson I learned in my younger years. So now fast forward to La La Land. My agent said, you only have a couple lines. You don't have to go out for it. I'm like, I'm going to go out for it. Because even if it's a couple lines, it's still a good paycheck for one day's work. Uh, and who knows what will happen, you know? So that aside, I went to the audition. It was just a few lines. And uh, I thought, this is a really hard role to book, as all small parts are, because they're so specific. You don't get, like, 30 minutes, 40 minutes on camera. Your character can be this way. It can be that way. It's like they only see you for this amount of time, and you got to be perfect, you know? And there's no way to control that. So I went in. I auditioned. They put me on tape. They said, thanks. Two weeks later... They said, hey, um, they put a pin in you for a part in that movie. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll officially book you in a couple of weeks. And they go, but it's going to be for a different part. And I don't know if you know what it means to put a pin in you. Do you know what that means, Wayne? And they're coming back. They just don't know what they're going to do with you? It means literally they took your headshot and they pinned it on the wall as part of the cast. That's what they mean. I love it. So that's like they say, put a pin in you. But nowadays, you don't even bring headshots to auditions because you do everything at home pretty much right now. Um, but, so, I'm like, cool. Now, I originally auditioned for a part uh, where when Ryan Gosling is in his jazz club that he owns near the end of the film, um, and a guy comes in and says, hey, I got a check for you to sign. And he's playing the piano. I go, it sounds nice. And he goes, yeah, the guy tuned it up pretty good. Okay, well, here it is. You want it right now? Something like that. Do you want that's the part I auditioned for. And the day before, oh, then I found out, they said, hey, so we're booking you for the part, you're gonna play the role of valet. And I go, okay. And I saw all the characters, except for Ryan and Emma's, did not have actual names. It was just descriptions like club owner or blah, blah, blah. And J.K. Simmons, already won an Oscar for um, Whiplash, which is another one of Damien Chazelle's films, amazing film, love that film. And I got a funny story about that. Um, he was playing nightclub owner or something, right? So I go, if an Oscar award-winning actor is not getting a name and I'm not getting a name, it's all in the same film, who cares, right? So I went to the wardrobe, fitting. They were doing, you know, getting in my wardrobe to be a valet. And I still had no idea what my lines were. And uh, I heard piano playing, like, down this big hall. And they go, oh, that's Ryan. He's practicing for the film. And I go, oh, that's cool. I still didn't really know much about what the film was about. And uh, then I finally got my, uh, my scene emailed to me the night before. And it was just like, Ryan's character comes out of a party. And he talks to the Emma character. She goes, hey, will you please get my... Hey, George Mike, will you please get my keys? And he goes, what, what? And he's kidding with her. And then Ryan goes up behind valet and snatches the keys. And I'm like, I look on the back... Wait, where, I have no line. Like, what is this? <laughs> I don't understand what is going on here. And uh, I had no freaking lines. 
I get to the set, which is uh, somewhere on Mulholland Drive, a big parking lot, and I have a trailer. Not a huge trailer, but it's, it's, when, you're on a, when you're a big star, you're on a, a serious regular, you get a nice-sized trailer, you know, with a couch and TV and a fridge and a thing. I just had um, a small little trailer, right? Which is fine when you're a day player. It's all you get. But I had no lines. And I was so still confused about this. So I got my wardrobe on. I went to makeup. Now, if you're an extra, you don't audition. They just say, uh, I like his picture. He's an extra. Have him bring his own wardrobe. And he gets paid the extra rate, which is like, I don't know, a few hundred bucks. That's it, right? But I'm not an extra. And I didn't audition as an extra. But you don't audition anyways, as I just said. And I got hired. And I was into makeup, and I had my own trailer. So I was very confused. I didn't say anything. And I got to set, which is outside this house. And Damien comes up to me, the director, and puts his arm around me, and he goes, he says, uh, Trevor, so glad you could be here. Thank you so much for being here. And I was like, yeah, my pleasure, man. And uh, he put me in front of the podium, kind of told me what to do, and I did it. And uh, I was a little confused, but I was like, you know what? This is my podium can't just like not do anything you know so when ryan comes up to me i'm like this is my podium i'm not just gonna let him take the keys and then just act like i don't see him doing it so he came up behind me and i turned and i looked at him and i gave him a look like can i help you you know and he said take it easy chad he took out five bucks it was a fake five dollars and he, he put it on the podium grabbed the keys and walked away and he came back and he said, he, we never met. Like, he didn't, we didn't introduce ourselves to each other. He just said, uh, did you like what I did there? And not that he, I don't know why I cared what I thought. And I said, uh, you mean when you called me Chad? He goes, yeah. He goes, I said that because you, this is quote, I said that because you look like you wanted to fucking kill me. And I said, well, I can keep giving that to you. He goes, yeah, keep doing that. But what I didn't tell him is, well, let me tell you something, Ryan. What you're picking up on is the fact that I've been in the industry for almost 30 years now, and I'm finally in the biggest film I've ever been in. I've never been in a film that was literally filmed to go to theaters. Everything I've done has been filmed to go to DVD or online. And then the first film I get, and it's a big, big Hollywood film, right? And I have no freaking lines. <laughs> so that's what you're picking up on. Um, but I just did it every single time, and I was there for about eight hours. And uh, that was the gist of my experience. Now, let's go back about a year before that. I was watching Whiplash. Have you seen Whiplash? It's on the list. you got to see it. It's freaking awesome. So it's about a drummer that's going to go to the big music school in New York, and he has a teacher from hell. And the things he has to put up with being a drug. It's, it's pretty incredible. The thing is, I knew Damien directed that. I was like, who directed this movie, you know? And I said out loud to the universe, I said, I want to work with this director. I really want to work with this guy. Please, please get me a part of one of his projects. A year later, I got a part in one of his projects. But I had no lines. So I should have said, and I want to have lines. <laughs> That's my little funny story. And, and listen, we were speaking of manifestation. You were there. You were in the Oscar-nominated film. Um, were you watching when the... Uh, when? <laughs> and so I, I'm sure you were very excited. You're like, holy shit, I am now... I was in 
an, an Academy Award winning film, which put that on my resume, okay? And, um, and two and, minutes later, it didn't win. I, I was in a film that won Best Picture for about a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, but I did, I was in the presence without knowing it. When I was working, I was in the presence of Emma Stone, who, was, who won Best Actress, and Damien Chazelle, who won Best Director, and uh, Ryan, who was nominated for Best Actor. And that's pretty interesting, too, you know? Just, just knowing that I was in that triangle of Oscarness, uh, and uh, it's cool. I mean, it's one thousand percent an accomplishment, and um, even even with the the little fumble um, at the Oscars, it makes it even more legendary. So, um, and the thing is, I can sing too, and I, I was in a musical. Not only I didn't sing, I also didn't speak. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Well, um, I'm still I'm still counting it as iconic. I am looking forward to your next roles. You are a singer. For those who want to check out Trevor Lasore's music, make sure you're listening to his band Animal Cloud on all of the things, Spotify, iTunes, and Swadley and Dean. That's S-W-A-D-D-L-Y and Dean. Um, for the kids, for yourself. If we're, you- we're, on, we're on TikTok. Animal, both Animal Cloud and Swadley and Dean are on TikTok and Instagram. And we also have YouTube pages. And the Swadley and Dean like, show lives on YouTube. And uh, full episodes, standalone music videos, and karaoke videos, and more stuff to come. And our first album, I know I'm saying what you were saying, but it <laughs> came out of me. Our first album, Songs for Kids Volume 1, is available on Spotify, uh, Apple, iTunes, Amazon, all that good stuff. And we got four more albums coming out. And what else do you want me to say about it? Listen, you were going to say something. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Listen, sir, I invited you here to talk, so I don't mind. Um, that is Trevor Lasore, who we've been talking to at Trevor Lasore on Instagram. That's T R E V O R L I S S A U E R. Keep up with all the things that he's doing, and make sure you're keeping up with what I'm doing, Wayne Holtz, on Instagram at Wayne Holtz underscore. The Wayne Holtz Podcast at The Wayne Holtz Podcast. And please, y'all, if you're listening, make sure you are subscribing on iTunes, giving five stars, following on Spotify, and all the stuff. Trevor, thank you for your time. Wayne, thank you. This episode was produced and engineered by Dominic K. Trevino. When it comes to looks and smarts, I'll give you five out of five kisses. Every time I hear you mock, I wish that I can be your missus. Let me rise to the occasion. I'll photo you at the radio station. In my headphones, your voice will be playing. And I won't be limited to just one minute with Mark. You won't quit talking once you start to flag. I can't stop the beating. My heart when I'm waiting on that moment for your lips to part when I'm waiting on that minute, just a minute mark. All the others crave your silence if you talk to me. I won't say be quiet. I don't mind any time you can sound.